We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, listen, I know we got some new listeners out there. We are excited about each and every one of you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Um, And the only reason I went straight to the listeners is because, well, I mean, can't really tell you what Julie and I were just talking about, but it had something to do with going across state lines. Um, (laughs) But we really do. We appreciate our listeners. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing Crazy and the King. Thank you for continuing to amplify the work, the conversations that Julie and I have from week to week. I don't know, Julie. I mean, have you thought, you know, here we are in year four, getting in our stride for 2022. We record every single week for the most part. Have you ever thought like about us doing seasons where we drop like 15 or 20 episodes and then we just sail off into the moonlight for a minute? Have you thought about that? Well, I know you've thought about it because you keep bringing it up, but um, I, I I don't hate the idea of it for for me, but I feel like our sponsors and our listeners would be like, mm, could you fill us in with some good interview content while you're gone or something like uh, that? Yeah, those, those folks that those, are really you know, important the to the show. The people that we do this for, the listeners and our sponsors. So Yeah, they're important to the show. We We really do appreciate them. I don't know. I mean, you know, recording for an hour is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm happy to see your face for an hour every day or every week. And uh, and I loved our end of year interviews last year. And I know we are um, spotting up some summer interviews now that we're recording and getting in the can for our listeners for good summer listening. And um, that was that was a nice break for me. It was. It was. It was. So this one right here goes. um, My name is Alex. And I'm the co-founder and CEO of Restream. I'm also a father, husband, and above all today, a proud Ukrainian. That's how he started a letter to people like me, me being Torin Ellis, a customer of Restream. Are you familiar with Restream? I'm not. What do they do? So Restream is a um, streaming platform that you can link other platforms into. So it allows you to uh, broadcast your video, whatever it is that you're doing to various platforms. So I used Restream last November when Workplace uh, participated with me and the end of my cohort party. I used Restream to simulcast our virtual party to both Facebook and LinkedIn at the same time. So So Restream is a platform. Let me ask you, could I use Restream to watch RuPaul's Drag Race with Tristan in Portland at the same time? You might be able to. Okay. But I don't want to say yes. (laughs) I think it's more around 
our creating the content and pushing it out, I don't necessarily know if it allows you to plug in from some of the more established networks. Uh, Alex, if you happen to be listening, you know, CEO of Restream and all, if you happen to be listening, that's a question from Julie. Her name is Julie Sowash. It goes with J uh, S O W A S H. But he went on to describe what Restream is doing as it relates to this conflict. Um, and in that letter that he sent out literally to all of the customers, because I certainly don't feel like a special customer, but to all of those that are on the email list and or customers of Restream, he went on to talk about how he felt during this Russian and Ukrainian uh, situation that is going on. And he talked about employee safety and having solidarity with the Ukrainians. From the employee safety standpoint, Julie, he said that the safety of teammates is always a top priority, which signals that Restream has employees over in Ukraine. Uh, And that last month, they offered to arrange uh, relocation for the Ukrainian-based teammates and their families. That is a very big deal. I can appreciate him for that. And then number two, he reiterated his solidarity with the Ukraine um, and he offered to assist and has assisted with humanitarian efforts uh, by making a donation of $100,000 to the Red Cross in Ukraine. Uh, In addition, compiled a list of Ukrainian-based and international organizations uh, that are assisting those that are affected. Now. You know, I made a small donation to try to just help with the effort as well. But I really appreciated uh, Alex and Restream for what they got in. But there's some other companies that are participating as well and taking a stand in this conflict. Yeah, I mean, probably too many to list, but some that definitely stood out to us. uh, Delta Airlines, who I am a frequent flyer of, has suspended um, its code sharing service with Aeroflot, which is a Russian um, based airline, which just means basically you can't book through Delta for any Russian Aeroflot flights. Um, And for the most part, airspace has been uh, grounded. So I don't think there's a lot of flights coming out of Russia into the EU. Uh, Formula One has canceled their 2022 Russian Grand Prix. Um, Dell Technologies has suspended sales in both the Ukraine and Russia. Um, and company near and dear to my heart that we have a relationship with at Disability Solutions, Azuna, Adzuna, excuse me, which is an employment advertising uh, programmatic vendor has suspended all Russian operations um, announced this morning on the adzuna.ru site in protest of the Russian invasion of Ukraine's sovereign territory. And let me tell you, there are more than 2 million open roles in Russia right now. So that does not come without a cost to Adzuna. And I, for one, I applaud them for taking that stand. I'm really, really proud to be a partner with them today. You know, and, and that that kind of I, I want to just shift for just a second because I want to bring it back to you and I. Um, and I've been meaning to do this for a couple of weeks. And for those out there listening, if this is an ill-timed insertion on my part, just take my apology in advance. But you just re- you raised the issue on the two million jobs that are open on the Adzuna platform. What that suggests is, because I'm not familiar with Adzuna, so what you're saying is Adzuna is very similar to some of the other job boards. Russian companies are paying Adzuna to advertise those opportunities. With the two million that are represented, you're basically saying they are cutting themselves off from future revenue. So not... 
current and future revenue as of now. So Adzuna is a pay for performance, a, a pay per click employment advertiser. So if right. there's a job that's advertised, um, Adzuna gets paid by the company only when a click happens. Got it. Okay. So they, that. yeah. So that the it, programmatic advertising for jobs is a couple billion dollar industry. Um, and Adzuna is one of the big players. I believe they're London based. And so I was just really impressed with it in the, at, at the start. And then I got hopped on and saw that there were 2 million open roles. Um, and that's, that's a significant count of cash. Got it. So they took a hit. So yeah. here's the question that may be a bit ill-timed in, in where I'm inserting it. And you had no idea that this was coming. When we think about the conflict of Joe Rogan and or some of the others from a couple of weeks back, mm -hmm. should we have made the decision to pull Crazy and the King from Spotify? I thought about it. I thought about it long and hard. Um, okay. Because we never talked about it, right? But we didn't talk about it. And we never talked about it. You know, I, I will say a little bit. I kicked myself like, are we missing an opportunity to live our values? Did I, did I muck it up by not bringing it up? And then I just sort of didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I never, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. And then when I thought about it, and, and this is where you always get on me, you for those of you listening, this is one of the areas where Julie constantly, or when I do it, she always corrects me. So my thought about it was, it was limited. And, and what I said to myself, I don't know the data. I don't know the statistic of our presence on Spotify. I, I don't know how many people listen to us on that platform versus some of the other platforms. So the question became, will it make a difference? And so I just, I let the thought go away. And what, what brought it back up for me last week, and, I, and again, I didn't share this with you, is there was an article on the podcast industry. And it talked about it talked about Spotify and it talked about how like Meghan Markle and is it Prince Harry, Prince Harry, they were paid like $25 million and have done like a 30 minute episode on the podcast. Talked about so many other people who have been given money, Ava DuVernay, who I absolutely adore and appreciate her work. And I believe the article said that she had not done any episodes on the platform. The Obamas, given money to do platform, do episodes, and for the most part, had not necessarily lived up to the agreement in which they were enrolled on the platform. And, and it just made me sit and think for a second, like, you know, these, these platforms give all of this money to these names of people, and, and in many ways, they're losing. And yet you got Julie and I out here recording every single week. And do they even know that we were one of the two million shows that they, you know, put on their platform in the last 18 months? Yes. So it would have made a, a significant cut in our listeners or in our downloads. Let's put it that way. Um probably to the tune of about 10 to 
um, which for us, I guess for anyone is significant. Um, they're, they're definitely not in our top five, um, in terms of where, where listeners are coming from. Apple is still dominating, um, for us in, in a huge way. And so we would have felt it, um, but it, it wouldn't have been significant enough for us to lose sponsors or anything like that. It just, I think it would have bummed me out a lot. Yeah, but to your point, it was one of those opportunities where you and I had a chance to at least discuss yep. living out our values. Yep. That right there is, again, I didn't know it would go there. It's a great place to let it land. And, um, you know, Julie and I are still uh, appreciative and supportive of the people that are in Ukraine going through this terrible conflict. We absolutely applaud organizations that are living out their values, that are taking a stand. You know, at one point, it's really a matter of time, Julie, you know, at one point you can do something right. And then within a, a few seconds, within a few days, weeks, months, same organization can have a terrible misstep. So in this instance yeah. right now, these are organizations that have gotten it right. So shout out to each and every one of them. Yeah. There was an article on the Wall Street Journal that talked about maternal deaths uh, rose during COVID-19 uh, in the first year. And, and I'm not gonna go into the article. We don't have to spend time on it. H here's the piece that I want to highlight. You can read it yourself. We'll put it in the show notes. But once again, we have an example of black women dying three times more, or yes, no, actually dying three times more than white women during childbirth. Why does this continue to happen? Here's the thing. I, I don't even want you to answer the question, so to speak, because I don't want to see any woman dying during childbirth. That, that's not, I'm not looking for this to be a one-to-one -one relationship. That, that's not exactly, I'm not looking for that at all. I'm looking to understand why is it though that that is such a disparity and in almost every category of healthcare, we seem to be losing. That's what I wanted you to take from reading the Wall Street Journal article. Yep, and uh, well worth the read. And so finally, um, in our opening segment, we have Elon Musk, who we give a hella hard time to all the time. And I saw this yesterday and wanted to give him a little props. He sent um, Starlink, which is Tesla's satellite-based internet, um, basically in mass to the Ukrainian people and government. I'm talking about um, hundreds of terminals that were up and running in less than 24 hours um, and having more terminals on the way. And as you know, I'm sure as a veteran, and I've heard from my husband in the midst of war, um, communication is one of the most critical components to success. And this keeps that infrastructure piece uh, for the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian army intact for now. So thank you, Mr. Musk, for doing that. As a communications analyst, we worked in what we called the elephant cage, Julie. And basically, uh, if I could paint a picture for you, when we, when this is when I was in the Philippines, when we were stationed in the Philippines, in order to get into our co compound, we had to go through like three levels of security. It's almost like walking into an embassy, but it was outside security. So we had to go through these different uh, turnstiles and security barbed wire. But around our entire compound was barbed wire fence and a whole bunch of 
like really, really, really high antennas. And it looked like an elephant cage. So I'm absolutely, absolutely keen on the importance, the criticality of great, solid, real-time, accurate communication uh, in the, the, you know, the process of war or in peace, as a matter of fact. Um, communication is key to everything. So shout out to Elon Musk because we absolutely do give him a little bit of a hard time over here. Awesome. So in a flash, four in 10 hiring managers who hold responsibility for some or most of the hiring at their workplace admitted to age bias in a resume builder survey of industry professionals conducted on February 1st and 2nd. That's according to HR Dive. And construction work in New York City and statewide remains the most deadly profession in the country. The country, not the bearer of bad news, just keeping you abreast. Looks like the network by We The Culture will provide new opportunities for black creators to join a network of culture makers and monetize their efforts on Meta's platforms. And for some, wages have been rising, which is good news for workers, but a source of concern for policymakers who worry about inflation. I kind of think we should talk about this inflation thing. Not today. Buffett says that Berkshire owned and operated more U.S.-based infrastructure assets than any other American company, setting that company up to benefit from a surge in federal spending on transportation assets, while some wonder if Amazon is undercounting its carbon footprint. You can find that story over on Reveal. And according to Ray Smith, there are secrets to getting a job after 50. That's over in the Wall Street Journal. And the good folks, and I do say good folks with a side eye, in the Florida House passed the Don't Say Gay bill last week. It prevents any classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in Florida schools. Shut the front door. I think that does it for Jay and I this week in a flash. We'll be right back. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. All right, welcome back. So, Julie, if I were to ask you, um, how do I want to say this? If I were to ask you to give me three words that describe your leadership style, um, like what three would, would immediately come to mind? Which three are top of mind for you? And, and I'm going to do this while I put on a little chapstick because I want to okay. see what you... You chapstick away. This. Um, <laughs> so I think it would definitely be, um, it would be transparent. 
it would be um, compassionate, and it would be intense. What about you? Transparent, passionate. Compassionate. Oh, compassionate. All right, got it. And intense. Yes. Ooh, that's a combination. I'm gonna put a. I'm gonna put. That's a what they X. say. Yeah, I'm gonna put a. Little, <laughs> I'm gonna put an X by the compassionate, intense. Okay, got it. For me, three words. I would say honest, uh, aggressive, and understanding. So not not that far off for mine, really. Yeah, aggressive, honest, cool. and understanding. And, and well, one of the words that Mary Barra would use is that same vulnerability that you and I can use it synonymously or interchangeably with transparency um have a listen i find saying i screwed up to be hugely empowering uh, because i'm a type a personality and i generally have a point of view but, you know, I always tell my team, I, I will have a point of view and I might jump out too fast, but, you know, I always encourage them, but if, you know, if you come with facts or data or a different uh, opinion, you know, I'm going to listen. And I think it really reinforces it when you can say to your team, you know, I was thinking about that wrong, or you know what, I got that wrong. Uh, because we don't, no one does everything right. And so I think when you create that environment, I, I think it, it's the foundation of a learning environment as well. Um, I think it's so important. And you know, every now and then you have to remind yourself about that. It's like, you know, uh, and I, at least I should say I do. Every now and then I have to, I have some great people around me who every now and then will say, Mary. And <laughs> I value them because, you know, sometimes you get so wrapped up in what you're doing or what you're trying to get the company to do that uh, you lose sight. So I also say, have people around you who are willing to, uh, to pull you aside every now and then. It's so important. So what I love about this clip, I'm a big fan of Mary Barra. Let me just be clear about that. But is it Barra or Bar? Uh, Bar, excuse me. Um, one thing that I know that I do really well as a leader. I only asked Julie because I didn't know. So so you you switched it only because I asked. I'm, I seriously I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, but I, I but think it's Mary Barra, but Barra, we'll find Barra. out. Okay. Um, okay. So one of the things that I do really well as a leader is say when I fuck up, right? And I like that she says that. I think that's one of the hardest things. It was one of the hardest things for me to learn um, as a leader. And it's one of the things that I think is hardest to do for some leaders because it's like you're getting giving away some power by saying you're imperfect. But I think it's so empowering to have that vulnerability and that transparency that you can own when you get it wrong. Because that that allows your people to come in and have that same conversation. Here's what I thought was right, but I was wrong. How do we fix it? Um, and you don't create that impenetrable expectation of perfection in your organization. And she said that so beautifully. Yeah, she did. Do you remember, like, do you remember for yourself personally, like that moment where it clicked for you, like, Oh, you know what? I can be transparent. I can be vulnerable. I I can say I fucked up. Do you remember when that moment was? And if you don't, it's cool. But but do you happen to remember what turned the tide for you, where you felt like you could be more of that type of leader? Um, yeah, absolutely. So let's 
talk about the intense piece. I used to be, maybe still am a little bit, a, a bit of a, a, a PowerPoint freak. So okay. if, if the PowerPoints were not perfect, um, that the people on, on my teammate or sometimes they were my teammates, I didn't even, they didn't even report to me, I would just lose my mind. I mean, lose my mind and stay up all hours of all nights to my husband's chagrin, rebuilding their damn PowerPoint. I wasn't going to deliver it. I just didn't like the way that it looked. And the first time I ever said, I'm sorry, that's your content. I'm going to make suggestions, but I'm not going to make changes anymore because that's not my job. It's not my place to correct every time you do it. It was probably one of the most empowering moments for me because I had to say I was sorry for the way that I was treating my colleagues. Um, but it was also the first time I ever like let it go. And then I got so much better at saying, maybe it's not the way that I would do it, but it's done and we're going to go forward to it. And our business has blossomed since I've given up that control and been able to say, I was sorry for that. Very so clear moment. So the blossoming is actually a perfect segue because, you know, the reason we brought this story up is, you know, a, a group of B-School professors and students recently, uh, I can't remember exactly the date. Let me see if it's on this report. Uh, I'm scrolling to the top real quick. So recently, a group of professors and students from a B-School got together and they analyzed 43,000 pages of corporate filings. These are SEC filings. 43,000 pages or 1.23 billion words. These are words and filings uh, from public, um, public organizations, companies in which a female, I hate that word female, in which a woman succeeded a man as a CEO. So in in instances where the man exited stage left and the women came in to lead the company stage right, they looked at 1.23 billion words. And the article or the report is titled Hiring Women into Senior Leadership Positions is Associated with a Reduction in Gender Stereotypes in Organizational Language. So they basically got to this conclusion. Um, and I think it's a great a great read. It's academic, but it's well worth your time um, by using natural language processing. So AI machine learning to analyze the effect of how female leaders impact language within an organization versus a male leader. Is that a fair statement? That is, that is a fair statement. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's so incredibly important that we continue to share um, examples of this. Sure, Julie and I don't always lean on academic research. We don't always cite peer review studies. Sometimes, you know, she and I are just locked in our own personal, observational, experiential ba banter, if you will. But in this case, we, we are leaning on the report. And Julie's right. It really is a detailed read, graphs and sightings and it's it, you got to spend some time with it, but that is the essence of it. And really, the 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 outcome was that the organizations did better. Yeah, 
And and the whole point is, is that the language started to shift after females came into leadership, right? So we're always talking about how our words matter, our actions matter. Um, but the truth is, is when we use words to describe women that are stereotypical, that are misogynist, that are degrading, uh, even though they're a part of our culture and part of the, our stereotypes, it creates limits where women can succeed, especially in leadership roles. And we, we see women move into leadership roles. We start to see that language ebb. And I would be curious as to how long that that time frame is before we see that change. Um, but I think it's especially important. And we didn't put this in our notes, but I think a really, really great and important example that we use and I've been just as guilty of is the word Karen. Um, it's funny. Right. But it really is a way to degrade a woman who asserts herself for something that she wants. And it reinforces stereotypes that women cannot be persistent, aggressive um, or certain about getting to the answers that they want. Now, are these women always acting right? No, I'm not I, saying that. I'm that, not saying that women was, are acting right. I was but waiting. I, I am saying the use of the term for any woman that we disagree with or any man that um, acts in a Karen way reinforces stereotypes about the role of women in leadership and in our society. I can appreciate even when people that. don't act right. <laughs> I, I can appreciate that example. You 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 got to distinct you 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 distinguished um, how it's being applied. So I can appreciate that. But but to the point of language and the power of language, just reflect back to the listen. If you missed last week's episode, we talked about the Baltimore Sun and the apology that they put forth for the reporting that they have been doing um, really since the inception of the newspaper. That's language reporting. Is language. I, I want you to think about, you know, that water cooler conversation uh, that you might be having in your social circles or, or that Zoom after meeting that you might be having where you are using language to describe, to talk about some of your colleagues, your, your teammates. Uh, think about that opportunity where you may have cast an extremely wide net um, that ignored people with disabilities or categorized people with disabilities broadly as not being able to contribute in the corporate corridor. That language is dangerous and it's dangerous in a number of ways, whether it be gender specific, race specific, marginalized communities, talking about people's geographies, their academic accomplishment, their socioeconomic status, the language in which we use, Karens, if you will, that language, it absolutely matters. Yeah. And, and I think that water cooler talk, really, we should start thinking of that, including as part of our social media or social media being part of, of our water cooler talk. So thinking before you post on social media is a very important value that we should see in our leadership. We saw John Dempsey, who posted something completely stupid on Instagram. He's a, a really high up at Estee Lauder, $10 million a year um, salary, posted a racist meme um, that included Sesame Street and one of my favorite rappers from the 2000s, Chingy. Um, and he lost his job over it. And it was not thoughtful. It was perpetuating neg negative language. It was perpetuating stereotypes. And all of those things matter. 
And so think before you post just in the same way you'd think before you said something at the water cooler. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. I hadn't seen that. 65 years old, terminated from the makeup company after he posted a cartoon to his personal account that contained a racial slur. We're talking 30 years at the company. And um, wow. Yeah, that's okay. That N-word caught his ass again. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say caught his ass again, caught another ass again. Um, Yeah. So, but the fact is in this particular piece, you know, it it really talks about how once um, Mary Barr was installed as, you know, the CEO in 2014 and, you know, the organization started to use language like decisiveness and assertiveness it started to trickle and be associated with other women in the organization in a more positive and promising way. And and that's something that came out of the report and that analyzation uh, of the 1.23 billion words. Yeah. And I love the way that they frame it in the article. It says it, it gave women agency, right? It it took them from females to agency and that they have power to move things and to make decisions. And that's incredibly important. Um, Let's hear from Mary Barra one more time on uh, transformational leadership during COVID. You know, our industry is so complex, and so we need different perspectives. Uh, you know, I'm very proud of our leadership team. There's people like me who have, you know, multiple decades at the company and really know the auto business. But then bringing people from other industries, other countries, other backgrounds allows us to look at decisions from multiple angles. And I would also say, Uh, Our board is very diverse and has diverse experiences and so often we start looking at the strategic direction we want to take and the discussions either at the leadership team or at the board help us really round it out and we make better decisions. So I am convinced that diversity of thought that comes through a multitude of different aspects of diversity leads to better business decisions. It's our differences that make us stronger. Exactly. exactly. But but how does it make you faster? Uh, I think it makes us faster. Um, well, I think it, that's more about the culture in the company. Do people, you know, we uh, live by a set of behaviors. You know, when I first took the role, everybody said, oh, you've got to work on the culture. And I'm like, how do I work on the culture every day? <laughs> but I can work on how I behave and because uh, I can change how I behave tomorrow. And so we define behaviors that we rolled out to everyone. Every, you know, we, and, and people use them. They'll say, hey, in the spirit, one of our behaviors is be bold. So they'll say, in the spirit of being bold, I'm going to say this. And so So I think empowering everybody with a common language and knowing how we want to behave and treat each other allows us to move move more quickly. And I think that's a really incredible clip and it's something that we learned during COVID. I think as leaders is that we can allow our teams to be more agile and we can stop these kind of analysis paralysis. And when we move, we can move decisively. And she was able to demonstrate that through their uh, ventilator speed um, at at, uh, GM. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier in the conversation that the data showed that the organizations are doing better. And just as we wrap this segment up, the data really does talk about uh, women's participation in management 
has shown to empower subordinates, to signal change, to lead to better management of conflict, and to improve decision-making and performance. So for now, language processing analysis is limited to SEC filings, but researchers hope to study more informal avenues of communications like emails and glass door reviews. And I actually know a company, a Baltimore-based company, that's working on some technology to analyze language in organizations' emails. So for those of you out there listening, have a look at uh, my good friends over at MindStand. You can find them on Twitter at MindStandT. That's M-I-N-D-S-T-A-N-D-T. MindStandT on Twitter. All right, let's hear from our sponsor and then we'll come back for our Her Voice segment. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. As always, our Her Voice segment is where we amplify women making moves, and it's sponsored by Tal Vista, seeing beyond the obvious. Katanji Brown Jackson, federal judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, was nominated to the Supreme Court. Let's hear the actual call that she received from President Biden. Hello? Judge Jackson? Yes. This is Joe Biden. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you, Mr. President? Well, you're going to be more wonderful. I'd like you to go to the Supreme Court. How about that? Sir, I would be so honored. Well, I'm honored to nominate you. I I am just so, so overwhelmed. Well, you deserve it. You deserve it. We are so, so grateful. Thank you, Mr. President. No, I meant what I said. I think it's important. You're incredibly well qualified, and I think the court should look like the country. And I mean it. Thank you, sir. So, Katanji Brown-Jackson first worked as a public federal public defender, uh, a first for a Supreme Court justice resume, uh, the last justice that actually had that experience representing criminal defendants was Justice Thurgood Marshall. Uh, she clerked for Justice Breyer, uh, who she's nominated to succeed and praised mightily at her um, introduction uh, for the federal courts with a focus on reducing racial disparities in sentences such as drug crimes. If confirmed, she would indeed be the first black black woman, sixth woman, and third black justice to serve on the nation's highest court. Shout out goes to a regular citizen. Um, This is Natalia Ablayeva, who crossed the border from Ukraine into Hungary on this past Saturday with two children from a stranger. What happened was the stranger father, he begged her to take his children to safety, gave her her his two children gave her a phone number and when she crossed the border to safety she called their mother and 
presented the mother with her two children. It was a very tearful moment. If you find the link, which we will post in the show notes, you can see uh, the meeting with Natalia Ablayeva and the mother of the two children. Incredible. And finally, Karen Rupert Tolliver from Hair Love, a producer to VP of Animated Films at Netflix. Tolliver made history as the first black woman to win an Oscar for animation for her work as the lead producer on Matthew Cherry's Hair Love. And all who flee a conflict situation have the same right to safe passage under the UN Convention and the color of their passport or their skin should not make any difference said by President Muhammadu Buhari. And there were about, and there actually are about 4,000 Nigerians in Ukraine, which are mostly students. And the reason I use that as a quote is because as much as Julie and I are supportive of the Ukrainians, um, you know, challenge because of this conflict that we are in or that they are in, which ultimately is going to impact all of us in some particular way, there are reports out that some people in the Ukraine are denying the humanitarian effort to Nigerians and or other black folks. And that is not something that should be happening. Any quick one mentions quick resource. this week? Actually, we got two, one quick resource. Um, I just want to send you all over to Twitter real quick. Uh, go to P for Parody, the letter P as in Paul, the number four, the word parody on Twitter, P for Parody. Uh, companies like CVS, um, Health and Bank of America have been using uh, par- Paradigm for Parody for some time to help skill up their black women inside of their organization. And just in short, what Paradigm for Parody is doing is they are trying to fast track more black women into roles where they are touching on responsibilities uh, associated with profit and loss, because that is a route, that is a track so that they can hit that C-suite or become a CEO. So on Twitter, take a look at P4 Parity. Name drop. Uh, Yep, a couple today. So first to the people of Ukraine and their president, Vladimir Zelensky. Keep up the good fight. Keep uh, keep running the Russians out of town. Um, and of course, to Chef Jose Andres, who is one of the most amazing figures, I think, in our world today, who is already in Poland feeding thousands of the over 500,000 people who have already fled Ukraine due to the Russian invasion. And shout out to the team behind the Unwritten Rules Project. You can find it at unwrittenrulesproject.com. Again, unwrittenrulesproject.com. Fascinating. I love the design of the website. I love the functionality. And when you get to the destination, unwrittenrulesproject.com, you'll see all of the rules that we talk about in Black households. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and find your voice. Be a better human. Let's create better culture, better teams, better workplaces. For now, Jay and I are ghost. See ya. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. 
I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.